Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from multiple locations in the San Gabriel Valley of sunny Southern California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead people to Jesus, a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you and opens your heart and inspires you to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Hey, Real Life Church, God bless you. It's Pastor Jim. It's so good to be with you again this week. You'll notice the presents that were under the trees last week are gone now, and that's because some of you drove them down to Tijuana, Mexico this week uh, to share with kids uh, through a church planting network that we support down there. So thank you so much for the the hundreds of gifts that you brought in. Uh, There are going to be lots of kids who have uh, happy Christmas mornings because of your generosity. So I appreciate you all doing that this week. We're going to continue in our series now uh, called Remember Christmas. Uh, and we're going to remember, uh, we've remembered some of, some of the elements of the Christmas story that we've become so familiar with that we've essentially forgotten their importance and their beauty and their power. Uh, and today I want to return again to the Christmas story and remember where it happened. Because we glance over this little detail in the story and miss the importance of what's going on in the story of one particular guy. Uh, As we go to the text together, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you love us. And I thank you that you were born to us, that you walked among us so that we could draw close to you. So that we didn't have to live our lives in cold alienation from our creator and from our meaning. Thank you for calling us back to you and opening a doorway by which we can be reconciled to you and return into your presence. This morning, open our hearts and our minds so that we'd be ready for your word. Shake off the distractions of the week and help us to focus on you. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. This is in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus, this is the king of all the Roman Empire, the highest king, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And we actually do know that they took censuses back then, censuses, censi, whatever it is, back then, uh, in order to appropriately tax the people. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem in the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to a firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. How would you like to be that innkeeper? How would you like it if the only thing that all of history remembered about your life is the one time that you made life difficult on the mother of the savior of humankind? I mean, it's kind of a bum rap. Uh, This guy, you know, just kind of an innocent businessman who gets caught at the wrong time on the wrong day by the wrong people and forever after he's a footnote in the story of the life of Jesus. The guy who didn't make room for Jesus because the inn was full. What a metaphor this guy's life is. Luke is trying to tell us a historical account here. He's not trying to do anything literary, but what a powerful metaphor this guy's life is. 
He didn't make time for Jesus on the day that Jesus arrived on his doorstep. Will we? Will we have room for Jesus when he arrives on our doorstep? You ever think about what was going on in this guy's life? The reason why he would say no to letting them in? I mean, obviously, things are going well. If he's in hotel and restaurant management, this is a, a boom time in his life. The, uh, the capacity is maxed out, which means he can probably do some price gouging, raise the rates to accommodate for the conference that's going on in town. Because of low regulation, he can probably sublet some areas of the inn that aren't quite up to code, like the barn around back. And the money he makes from those extra spaces is just gravy which is great because it means he's going to end the year in the black and that means he can do some extra Christmas shopping. It's a good year. The savior of humankind shows up on his doorstep and he misses it. Not because he's rebellious or resentful, but because everything is going well. He doesn't have room for Jesus because things are great. I've heard a lot of sermons addressed to people who, according to the preacher, weren't making room for Jesus. And some of them are angry sermons, condemning people for being sinful and pushing Jesus out, telling people they needed to repent. I've heard some very intelligent sermons telling people that they needed to put aside their doubts and believe because there's very confident intellectual reasons to believe. But you ever think that Maybe one of the main reasons we don't make room for Jesus is not because we're rebellious, not because we're doubtful, but because everything's just fine. The inn is full. Business is good. What do I need one more thing for, even if the thing is Jesus? Jesus says at one point, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick who need a doctor. And, and the doctor comes for the sick. That, that was a, a metaphor for himself. He himself was here for the, the broken and the sinful, not the people who had it all together. What a shame it would be to be so healthy that you didn't need Jesus. Or he says it in another way later on. He says, he says what does it profit you to gain the whole world but to lose your soul? What a, what a shame it would be to have everything going for you so much so that you, you really just don't need one more thing, even when the one more thing is Jesus. The innkeeper is a fair warning to us, not when things are bad, but when things are good. Here's a potential scenario of how things might play out for us over the course of uh, the coming year. As Jesus comes to mind in a uh, flitting of our conscience. We can dwell on it or just let it drift out the other ear. And how, how we engage with Jesus when he approaches us will shape this year and the years to come. Here's one way the, the coming year might play out. We enter the coming year, things are good, things are nice, family's good, work is good, we've got things going. And, and the church has all kinds of activities and things that seem like they might be good for us. The church offers small groups where a group of people get together, you know, six, eight, or ten people, and they read the Bible a little bit, and they eat some good food together and talk about life. And maybe here in, in January, you'll look at that and say, oh, small groups, that sounds like a good idea. But that's a lot of time. I mean, that's like every other week or maybe every week, that's, that's a lot of commitment. And you know how, you know, in small groups, there's always a couple people who are, you know, kind of weird. There's one guy who just talks so much, nobody else gets a word in. And there's the the, the one lady who never talks and you feel like she's probably sitting there and judging you. 
Uh, and then there's the one guy who has lots and lots of Bible facts. Everything is Bible facts. And when he's done with Bible facts, he goes to World War II facts. And then he goes back to Bible facts. It's like having a Bible study with Wikipedia. Yeah, maybe, maybe don't, need a, don't need a Bible study this year. But church will offer other things. There are ministries going on in the church. And the church needs people to take part in our ministries. We're going to offer a Alpha, which is a, a, a ministry in which we rent out for Sella's Restaurant in Glendora. This great restaurant. And for several weeks on Monday nights, we invite everybody in off the street. Anybody who wants can come in and have a, a free, delicious meal at Frisella's. And we watch a video that asks questions about what life is for and talks about what Jesus has to say into our questions about life. And we sit around tables and discuss what we've heard and what we think about it. But it is five Monday nights in a row, and you know, the Chiefs and the Packers are looking pretty good this year. You know, sometimes, sometimes we just, uh, you know, need a little time to ourselves. So maybe, maybe not that. Well, the church is going to go down to Tijuana, and we're going to build a house or a church, and we're going to bless... Uh, ministries down there. But it's a lot of work out in the hot sun. Maybe, maybe some of the young people can just go do that. Church offers small groups. There are ministries going on. And church needs financial support this year. We're uh, expanding to a, a second campus. As you, as you may know, if you've been around here, somebody gave us a building in a preschool in Glendora last year. And because that church isn't big enough for us all to worship in there every Sunday, we're also going to continue to worship here at Valley Center. And, and as you know, somebody has stepped forward and created a half a million dollar matching fund to allow us to buy the Valley Center property as well. And, and when we do that, we are literally claiming more territory for the kingdom of God. In a season where after the pandemic, all kinds of churches have closed their doors. There are churches that existed two years ago that don't exist today. And what's happening with those properties is congregations are selling them off, often to developers who will knock them down and put in condos. And that property will never be church property again. There is literally going to be less space in which to worship in Southern California in the years to come. One of the biggest churches in Covina sold its property and it looks like it's about to become an Amazon distribution center. We have the opportunity here at Real Life to continue to claim territory for the kingdom of God this year. But it's hard to have extra money to buy a jacuzzi for the backyard if you're giving money away, right? I mean, money doesn't grow on trees, it says in the Bible somewhere, like in Second Eucalyptus or something, or in Philippians, is that a book? I, I don't know. But we can look at the year to come and think, yeah, there's all kinds of good things I could do with the church. But honestly, things are good. Things are good. I've got, I've got work and work takes time. It's, it's hard to make time for ministry when I'm so committed to work. And the weekends are full. I've got, I've got Little League. How am I supposed to get to worship every weekend? And I'd love to have a, a prayer life, but I've got, I've got a lot on my mind. Maybe I don't need to make room at the end this year. Not because I'm particularly rebellious, but because everything's going well. The inn is full. That's one scenario for how this next year might play out. You just need to know that decisions like that over the course of a lifetime have consequences. I've been at funerals where families struggle to articulate the faith of the departed. 
And they know there was some faith there. They know they believe something. They just struggle to have much to say about it. And in that setting, you may wonder how you got to that point. You get there one year at a time. So looking out at the year to come, that is one way that it might play out. Perhaps the inn is full and things are good and Jesus will have to wait. But here's another scenario. Here's, here's another option of how this, this coming year might play out. Consider the alternative image. Imagine you take part in a small group and your knowledge of the scriptures grow. You take part in ministries and the love that God wants to work into your heart for lost people begins to take off like a healthy garden. You begin to support the church financially. And God does what God promised he would do in Malachi chapter 3 where he says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, test me in this, and see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much into you, you don't have room to store it all. Test me in this, he says. The year could play out that way. And a year of growth leads to a year of growth and growth builds upon growth and we come to the end of our lives and the day comes where at our funeral people line up at the microphone to say, that person belonged to Jesus. I am closer to Jesus because of how that person lived. That, blessed, that person blessed me because of their faith. That could be a real scenario for you. Your life could really play out that way. Picture it, imagine it. It's a real possibility. And it could start in small steps today. It starts by making room at the end. By pushing out the window, all the stuff that gets in the way, so as to make room for Jesus. Or, your life may end up just being a footnote in the life of Jesus. A footnote in the story of Jesus, where at the end, it says... Uh, and the day came, but the inn was full, and Jesus had to move on. A lot of us need to go through an experience where we move from good to great, where we move from a, a good commitment of faith to a great commitment of faith. And we may not realize it because we've gotten used to what we call normal. We, we've settled into what we call normal, but what we've settled for is only good, and God wants for us something that's great. I remember being at a... Uh, a lecturer at a college and, and watching a guy describe the difference between a good faith life and a great faith life and how, how we settle for good. I remember it was this, this speaker, this guest speaker at a college campus and the, the speaker was a Christian and he stood up and gave a lecture that was basically just the gospel. And then a very skeptical student got up to a microphone and said, you know what? I still don't think I need Jesus because I have friends who are atheists and they're very moral people. They're good people and they don't believe in Jesus. And I, I know some Christians who are absolute hypocrites. They believe in Jesus and they still live hypocritical lives. So at the end of the day, I don't think I do need Jesus. And this wise speaker responded, well, first of all, when you talk about hypocritical Christians, you need to know I'm one of them. I'm a Christian, but I live a broken life too, and I know I commit hypocritical acts. But, but I, have, I have friends who are atheists who are moral people. They're, they're good people, like you say, but I know how much better they would be if they had Jesus in their lives. And when I think about myself and my own hypocrisy, I, I, know, I know how bad I am, 
but I know how much worse I would be without Jesus. So maybe your atheist friends who are good would be even better with Jesus. And maybe your Christian friends who are hypocritical would be even worse without him. We, we settle for good because we think it's good enough. But what God wants for us is something great. So when the inn is full and work is good and family life is busy and we don't have time, if, if Jesus comes to the door, realize we've only achieved good and God wants for us something great. There's no day on which the inn is so full that it would not be better to let Jesus in. So here's the place that you and I are right now. Picture your life in this scenario. As we think over the story of Christmas and the arrival of Jesus among us and what we do with his arrival. Some of us will just put Christmas back in the box when it's over. We'll put it back in the attic and pull it out again next year. But picture yourself in this scenario, in this moment. There's a, there's a scene in the book of Acts which tells the story of the early Christian church. There's this moment where Jesus has died and risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. And now the uh, 11 disciples who are left are gathered together. Judas, who betrayed Jesus, has gone and taken his own life. And now the 11 disciples have to pick a 12th one to replace him. They need to, to fill the 12th slot. And so they go and cast lots, which is a kind of a, a pulling a name out of a hat. And they choose Matthias to be the 12th disciple. But, but pause for a minute in that, that casting of lots before they've chosen him. Imagine yourself there in that circle. They're, they're holding out the straws and saying, pick one. And if, and if you get the short straw, you get to give away your life as well. Those 11 disciples gave everything up for Jesus. They gave up home and, and job and family and career and future. And they went to all corners of the Mediterranean to preach the gospel of Jesus. They spread the name of Jesus everywhere. We know that, that Peter ended up in Rome and Philip ended up in Hierapolis. And there are stories about some of them getting as far as Ethiopia and India and, and up into the European countries. As far as Syria... And because of their ministry, the gospel has gone around the world. The apostle Paul gave up his life. And to this day, his letters are read around the world every week. Imagine being there at that moment where they go to, to pick names. And yours could be one of them. Do you want them to choose your name? Do you want them to pick that straw and say, you're the next one? Or are you hoping they just pass over you and move on to someone else? Because the inn is full. Because there's too many good things already going on. That's the moment in which you and I stand right now as we remember Christmas. You and I, like the innkeeper, are confronted with the reality that Jesus is at the front door. When I talk about the difference between a, a faith life that's good and a faith life that's great, I can, I can only tell you from my own experience what it's like to make room for Jesus. I, I've, I've shared with you, if you're a regular around here or if you follow on the podcast at reallife.la, I've, I've shared with you a, 
a lot of what I do with my time. You, you may know that I, I regularly go down to a pantry and help give out groceries to people who are in need. I don't have to do that as part of my job. And frankly, I've got a lot of other things to do. But I want to go where I think Jesus is. And I want to join Jesus in doing the things that I think he's doing. So I try to find time to commit to go, going down to a pantry to give to people who are in sometimes desperate need. And because I've done that, because I've carved out space in that, I've, I've helped a guy walk across the line and decide to follow Jesus while he was waiting in line to get groceries. I've seen a guy who is on parole get that ankle bracelet cut off his ankle as he served alongside me there at the pantry. I got to serve alongside a guy who, for a job, sells flowers on the side of the road. And he can't afford a car, so he walks an hour to get to that pantry and help give out groceries to people who are in more need than him. Because I've carved out time to go where I think Jesus is and do what I think Jesus is doing, I've experienced moments in life that have changed me. I've told you that I often go to a prayer ministry in Pasadena to pray for a bunch of strangers uh, every week. And I don't have to do that as part of my job. And frankly, I've got a lot of other things to do. But because I've, I've gone where I think Jesus is going and done what I think Jesus is doing, I've, I've been at those moments where I've prayed over people and I've seen Jesus speak to them in powerful and prophetic ways that, that left them in tears and left them healed. And I wouldn't have seen that if things were going so well that I didn't have room at the end. I, I've told you that uh, I carve out a, a Sabbath day in my week, and on Fridays, it's usually hard to find me because I want to spend a day with Jesus. I want to spend a day in prayer and worship and rest. And I don't have to do that as part of my job, and frankly, I've got a lot of other things to do, but because I've done that, I've come through a pandemic with a deeper sense of peace than I ever had before, with a deeper sense that God is good even when times are hard. In my daily life, I visit hospitals, I counsel couples, I teach the Bible. Together with an incredibly talented staff, I manage two houses of worship. And I do do that as part of my job because that is my job. But honestly, even if it weren't my job, I find a way to do it anyway. Because I want to spend my life going where Jesus is going and doing what Jesus is doing. It's the most certain way to find meaning and peace in this life. So, as we approach Christmas, as we get close to this holiday, as we get close to the remembrance of the birth of the Savior, remember this. Life is made up of moments, not minutes. And it's worth giving up a lot of minutes to have moments with Jesus. When the day comes that you realize Jesus is standing at the door and knocking, don't turn him away because everything's good. He has something great planned for you. Just let him in.
Let's do so now. Jesus, I thank you that you love us. And I pray that for those who hear you knocking at the door of their heart now, I pray that you would give them the courage to open that door. For anybody who's never said this before and wants to say it for the first time now, we pray, Jesus, come into our lives. Forgive our sins and our brokenness and wash away our past. Set us free to new life in you. Put in us hearts of faith and hearts of obedience. Teach us to walk in your footsteps. Jesus, set us on the path to living well, living rightly, not because we want to earn anything, but because it's how life is made. Teach us to go where you're going and do what you're doing. In busy schedules, in busy work lives, in busy family life, teach us to open the door when you're on the doorstep. To always make room at the end. Because in the end, life is far better with you than without you. Jesus, we invite you in. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. God bless y'all. Go be the church. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.